Welcome to the PowerShell News Podcast. I'm your host, Haji Dalawal. And I'm the co-host, Mick Pletcher. Today, we have a very special group here on the podcast. This is the PowerShell team from Microsoft. And I think we're going to start out with um, either Jason or... Sydney. Sydney. There you go, Sydney. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sydney, and I am one of the PMs on the PowerShell team, and I'm here today with some of my awesome colleagues. We've got Jason in the room. We've got Steven. Hello. <laughs> and we've got Danny. <laughs> and Mick. And Mick. So we're here to have a, a good time, and I think we're going to share with you a little bit about some of the things we're really excited about um, today. What are you excited about? Well, I am really excited about PowerShell Get V3. Um, Sounds fun. Very fun. So if you aren't familiar, PowerShell Get is the module that allows you to um, install, find, update, publish PowerShell modules. So typically, users will use this with the PowerShell Gallery, but you can also use it with private repositories, other public feeds, um, all sorts of things. And so for a long time, um, you've probably used PowerShell Get v1 v2 but for the past couple of years we've been working on this major update to powershell get and we're calling it powershell get v3 and what's exciting about this um, is that it removes a number of the dependencies on um, nuget OneGet um, that have made the module not work super smoothly have a number of performance issues and have a whole lot of bugs um, and so this is exciting because the module is going to be much easier for the team to maintain we're going to have a much faster release cadence um, and we are able to fix a number of the long-standing bugs. Um, with this, we've also um, updated the commandlet interface to hopefully have a principle of it just works. So, so some of the bugs you've been hitting where you've like needed a whole bunch of parameters to get your module to install should hopefully just work. Um, right now, we're in beta with this. Um, we've been shipping betas for two plus years now. Um, we just shipped beta 20. So I definitely encourage you to go out to the gallery test out our betas um, and see if they work. Now I have a couple of pretty exciting announcements um, <laughs> when it comes to PowerShell Get V3. The first is that we'll be shipping in PowerShell 7.4 previews very soon. Like probably in 7.4 preview four, which comes out next, right? the next preview, yeah. which is in May, like a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, and so, Starting very soon, going forward, PowerShell Get V3 is going to be the version of PowerShell Get that's just in PowerShell. Now, you may be wondering, is this going to break all of my CI? You said that there's going to be some breaking changes in this. Yeah. And so now I'm wondering, like, is this going to break all of my scripts? And I have some good news for you. It's going to be shipping with a compatibility layer. And this is another big announcement that we just made last week, which is the decision to ship with a compatibility layer so that you can use your old commandlet interface, install module, that sort of thing, will now just work um, with the new engine. Um, so that's kind of the update. Um, and that's something I'm really excited about. We've been working on this project almost four years. It's been a really, really long journey. We're really, really thankful for everyone who's given us feedback up to this point. Please, please try out the previews, open up all the bugs so we can get them fixed um, before we can. <laughs> so, so uh, this one question on it. So you're going to, it's going to be in PowerShell 7.4. Mm -hmm. What about if somebody's still using PowerShell 5.1 and they haven't gone to uh, PowerShell 7 yet? Will it be available for that? Absolutely. So it is backwards compatible back to Windows PowerShell 5.1. And we recognize that the version of PowerShell Get that ships in Windows PowerShell is actually not PowerShell Get Two, it's PowerShell, PowerShell Get 1.0.0.1. And this version of PowerShell Get is a little bit broken. Um, and so when you do um, use PowerShell Get in Windows PowerShell, you're probably pretty accustomed to updating your PowerShell Get version. Mm -hmm. And so when PowerShell Get 3.0 GAs and you go ahead and update your PowerShell Get version, um, once PowerShell Get 3 GAs, you'll go ahead and update to 3.0 and get all the benefits of that. It definitely exciting news there. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's taken so long and it's so hard work. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's hard to make a package manager. And it's also hard to deal with one where we already had an existing package manager. So the work that Sydney's been doing, we're all amazed that this is getting really close. And 
I'm so excited. So please give Sydney feedback now because definitely feedback so we can get this out the door. So I guess one other question about it is: so let's say they have never installed that before and they're using PowerShell five one. Will there be any prerequisites, or can they just install it direct? Um, so you will be able to install it direct. I will say that there there like are a few caveats, right? And that is that the version of PowerShell Get that ships in Windows PowerShell mm -hmm. is broken in a few ways. So you're still going to need the uh, same like process that you need today, which mm -hmm. is like there's a few flags that you're going to need. You're going to yeah. need to like use install um, module with PowerShell Get with like Forge, Lab or those sorts of things. So you're still going to need that process in place, but there's no additional um, prerequisites or dependencies that you're going to need. That is awesome. That's a great upgrade coming. Love it. Yeah. Very yeah, exciting. very exciting. Definitely. Very excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. What else are y'all? Yes, getting... I'd love to hear about what you're excited about. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, so, uh, hello, my name is Stephen Booker. I'm also a PM on the PowerShell team. I think we are all PMs here, so <laughs> we <don't, laughs> yeah. probably have to skip that next time. We are today. We are today. <laughs> yes, for, for this show we are. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so I uh, I'm responsible for some of PowerShell's telemetry as well as a lot of the interactiveness of PowerShell the shell. So that means uh, stuff like PS Reline predictors that are in PS Reline as well as a number of engine changes uh, that we're looking at to improve the interactive behavior people have with the console experience of PowerShell in order to really kind of help accelerate them and, and enhance their abilities to get their work they want done in the shell itself. Um, I also explore a lot of experience changes to some of uh, the VS Code extension as well, but uh, primarily I'm focused on the, on the console right now. And we have some really cool stuff coming uh, for the console behavior that I'd love to talk about. So, um, you know, I mentioned uh, PS Readline and the predictors that are in PS Readline, and we've had, uh, we launched these about a year ago, right, Jason? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they are a, a great way to accelerate and enhance your console experience. We have a history predictor that uses your history in order to uh, help accelerate your, your work as you're typing. It will try to match the, the most recent history that matches those characters. And then we have another uh, kind of predictor called plugin predictors, which is an extensible model where you can install PowerShell modules that subscribe to this command predictor interface that we have in PowerShell 7 uh, that will uh, enable uh, predictors to predict something that you have never typed before. And so this is great for discoverability, this is great for enhancement and preventative measures so that as you're typing, you can kind of see maybe, you know, this is the correct way to do it. And so to try to prevent errors. Um, and wow. so we've done a number of uh, improvements there with uh, stability with the predictors. We've worked on some bugs around deduplication of predictors uh, in list view. We also have um, completely expanded the list view uh, portion of this to make it scrollable and adjustable to your window height. So now, uh, instead of the limited 10, you can now have up to 50 different prediction results, or however many predictors you want to, to show, you can have them, you can scroll down with your right arrow key, and uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. So we have some really cool navigation tools that way, and um, you know, coming up, we do have some other improvements, probably in the next few weeks, to the list view that will show a little bit of tooltip stuff too. And you know what, I think one of the challenges is, is that and there have been some great community work uh, around uh, Doug Frank's module, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the challenges is, and you can kind of uh, hear from Stephen that we need to be really careful about how we're putting things in. Not because, you know, oh wait, you know, AI, yeah. but in the ecosystem that is PowerShell, how you are already accustomed to working. We have to be careful that we don't screw up what works for you yes. while at the same time trying to provide this. So what I think is amazing is, and what you really want to do is, is get some time and check with Stephen because he has he's thought through these scenarios of how we need to break this down and how we need to be able to interact in a shell and you know, without being disruptive, but at the same time, uh, providing you the data that you need to accelerate or to learn to move forward. And it's not easy. We're going to make mistakes. 
so all the feedback is better. But Stephen is 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 doing amazing work in this. But place. that's why we at the community are here to help you all yeah. correct those mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, because we make mistakes, make. Oh, everybody. Yeah. Mistakes. We all. So, do. <laughs> we're only human here, but so we really well, don't AI like in there yet. To well, not yet. With you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll be replaced soon. No. <laughs> but um, no, no, Jack, uh, Jason really hit that you know nail on the head there, where you know we're really designing for naturalness. Yeah. Uh, I think. You know, you'll know when an experience is disruptive or isn't natural pretty pretty immediately. But when it's when it's natural, you won't notice it until it's kind of gone. And so yeah. we really focus on that kind of experience to improvements to to PS Readline and to the console experience for PowerShell in general. Because sure. the last thing we want to do is be disruptive to you and disruptive to your workflow. We want to make sure we enhance your workflow in a non-disruptive, natural feeling way. So so I got one question about that. So you, you mentioned that in Terminal. What about VS Code? Will this be available in if you're writing PowerShell code in there? So it, it, it's something that uh, we've been exploring for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, uh, the predictors that we've designed are very designed for the console experience. And you can get them in the console experience in VS Code today. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the editor experience, it's it's a little trickier as kind of you're in a completely different platform, right. uh, completely different use case where you're now editing large script blocks. You know, you have more conditionals, loops, mm -hmm. whatever. And so it, it's a little trickier. And we want to make sure that we create a... a intelligent way to do that. Um, you know, already today, there's a number of, of great uh, VS Code extensions that, you know, can help you write PowerShell, such as GitHub Copilot. You know, um, are they perfect with PowerShell? No, but they do, you know, help you uh, at least get a starting point, sure. or at least get, get something going. So, uh, we really look to those two to expand uh, some of people's PowerShell users. However, we are still kind of exploring what might be a good addition for the scripters in VS Code for PowerShell. How can we enhance their experience with yeah. what they're naturally doing? So um, we have some yeah. we have some ideas, especially from this conference and talking to people. I think I think we have some cool cool ideas that we want to do. So do you want to jump in, Cindy? Yeah, yeah. About I mean, VS Code. You'll hear us say this over and over again. So just you know, please comment on our GitHub issue about this. I think Steven's opened up an issue about this, but also feel free to open up new issues about this if you have specific ideas of like, you have an idea of what you would like to see or what you don't want to see, or if you hate the way it is in VS Code, love the way it is in VS Code with GitHub Copilot or another experience. Yep, yep exactly. The best way that we can tailor this experience to what's most useful for you as the PowerShell scripter, PowerShell developer, is to give us that feedback and the easiest place for us is when you give it to us on github that being said like you know feel free to hit us up in any other way but github is the best place if, if if so so i know not everybody uses github is familiar with it if they aren't where's the, the second best place to contact you all well they might want to, if, if they want to contact us, I'm just going to... Or, or at least... Yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. Okay. We do our business through GitHub. Okay. So if you want us to be able to see your issue, if you want us to be able to work the issue, investigate the issue, uh, just to be honest, the, the quickest, most direct way is through GitHub. It's easy to get an account and file an yep. issue on it. So please take the extra time to do that. Um, there, you can email us, you can hit us up at conferences, things like that, but I gotta be honest with you, we have so many different routes of information coming at us, all PMs do, that we have trained ourselves to focus on GitHub because that's where the, you know, the most uh, sure. impact can be. So please, come to us at GitHub. And, and you're exactly right, because I've opened up a couple of cases on GitHub, of stuff yep. that I found, and you all were like that, getting on them. And yeah, uh, we spend back. now Mondays, uh, every Monday a week, um, uh, what we call Community Day. Mm -hmm. So we focus every Monday completely on our GitHub issues, GitHub PRs, so that we're all you know, making sure that we aren't missing anything. You know, throughout the week, we can get distracted with all sorts of other businesses that are going on. And so Mondays are our day for the community. So definitely expect replies on Mondays. Uh, if not, also throughout the week. And and just a little side note here: when you mentioned that on um, community, there's also the community call every month. Yes. That not everybody knows about that, and uh, that's the third Thursday of every month. Third Thursday of every month. It's at nine thirty a.m. Pacific time. Um, if you go to the PowerShell RFC repo, you can find more information on it there, or aka.ms/joinpscall. A couple other just like notes I would make about GitHub issues. 
Um, if you're feeling a little imposter syndrome-y about opening up a GitHub issue or a little bit nervous, like I think that's really normal. I know like I spend a yeah. lot of time in GitHub. If I'm in a new open source project, like I get nervous opening up a GitHub issue sometimes. Yep. I'm like, are they gonna like hate me? Like are they gonna be annoyed <laughs> yeah. that like this is a stupid question? Is a stupid, like, like am I they're gonna be annoyed that I like opened up a GitHub issue? And like I'm on the other side of it and I'm like Every time somebody opens up a GitHub issue, I'm like, you're my best friend. Thank you. Yeah. Like, you just like help solve my problem. And so just like a few tips I would give if you are like in that position, you're like, I'm hitting this bug, but like, I'm kind of nervous to open up an issue. Mm -hmm. One thing I would say is like, I always try and remind people like, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to know the root cause. You don't need to debug it to open up an issue. In fact, if you are a beginner, if this is your first time opening up, VS code or whatever it is, all the better because we interact a lot with our expert users. And so if you are a beginner, if you are a first time user, like all the better because we don't get bug reports from beginners as often. And you are our average user. It's so, so helpful to us when you open up a bug report. So just know that, but like you don't need to be an expert to open up a bug report by any means. Second tip, I would say, um, if you fall, like every one of our um, repos has an issue template. If you go to like open up a bug report, it will open up a form for you with the issue template. Mm -hmm. If you follow the template, automatic A plus, you're my best friend. <laughs> like <laughs> I will be so happy. Like there is no chance that someone on the other side is going to be frustrated with you. I promise not you, not at all. You are like a plus, like follow the issue template and you get a gold star. So those, those would be my like tips and um, uh, definitely don't be afraid to open up an issue. Um, I promise no one on the other side is mad at you. <laughs> you know, you know, talking about that, you, uh, you, you brought up a perfect uh topic here that something that actually has come up last year and it came up this year here at the conference imposter syndrome yeah you know, i know we've had some social um uh, uh meetings here at the conference you know on the different uh, soft skills and such but that is always a thing and and actually you all came up uh one day when i was out talking with somebody just kind of networking and you all were sitting there and he was like man I, I would love to go up and talk to them i said go up and talk to them I was like, they are all very sociable and welcoming to people coming up. And, and you know, that, that's funny because that is something that has come up now twice, two years in a row here about imposter syndrome. I don't feel comfortable, you know, here at the conference. And we've all, I mean, I'll even admit, I've even had it too. Yeah, well, I'll certainly admit it. I get it all the time. And yeah. it's a real deal. It's a real thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's not new. It, it's just, it is the situation, but here's the deal. I don't know about anybody else, but when it comes to the PowerShell team, we want to talk to you. Full stop. I mean, there is, a, we want we want you to come, and you're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a, like, a smart question to ask. You want to back, just come up and say hi. You want to back, come up and say hi. Because we'll yep. talk to you. Tell us about what you do. Tell us about what you like in PowerShell. Tell us what you don't like in PowerShell. Yep. I'm sure we have plenty to talk about. And don't think that you are, well, I don't want to interrupt and it looks like he's busy or something like that. Or if you see Sydney, you know, she's doing like 10,000 things at once. It's like, well, I don't want to interrupt her. No, she wants you to interrupt her. And I want everybody to take notice of what, of what Sydney and what Stephen were saying is that we spend Mondays, in, as busy as it is at Microsoft, we take Mondays and focus on community. That's because we want to talk to you and we want to learn from you so i get imposter syndrome's real but let's move forward it's tough but let's let's shake hands move forward it'll all be good absolutely and i say if you're worried about talking to us uh it just takes 10 seconds just to come say hello and once you say hello kind of all yeah. those fears go away once you're in a conversation with us if you like jason said if you don't have something to talk about i'm sure we have something to talk about and so we can, we'll ask you questions or we'll, we'll just give you our spiel, you know, just come and say hi. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, here's one good example. Last year, somebody, and it really helped me ahead because with my blogs and because um, my blogs have been around for 12 years now. And one, one person came up to me last year and they said, you know what? He said, you've posted some of the most obscure stuff in your blogs. He said, but frankly, he said, they've come in useful a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, 
That's why I posted them. You know, they seem simple to me, but somebody else out there is probably needing to do the same thing. And that's the same thing situation here. You all are probably going to get people tell you something that they think is too simple, too dumb, that other people probably have thought about too. Yes, you might think it's too simple or too dumb, but it may turn out to be the most brilliant thing we've heard all year long. Exactly. So go ahead and take that shot because it's amazing how wonderful your ideas transform into what we do next. Yep. And if you're if you're concerned that, hey, I'm the only one who's running into this issue, just think about how many people use PowerShell. Odds are you're not the only one. And maybe we just haven't encountered it yet and we haven't we don't know it's an issue, right? So yep. that might be an issue. Go ahead, Steven. <laughs> well, I think that was my cue for for picking some PowerShell telemetry because I mean we we we, we get the idea that people have this weird idea that PowerShell is in the decline, but I I'm very excited to announce that we've been hitting over a billion sessions every month since last October. So October of 2022. And that's just in PowerShell 7. And that's just in PowerShell 7. Wow. That's just PowerShell. That's just PowerShell 7. I mean, think about that. Over a billion sessions. Over a billion people served every month. I mean, we're like McDonald's at this point. We're better than McDonald's. We don't get fat from PowerShell. I mean, this is great. So, I mean... Yeah, it's a, it totally blows my mind when, when a lot of folks, a lot of you that are listening to this probably started back in the early days when there was like five of us. So a billion sessions a month and, and, and truly, Stephen, thanks. That, that's just, it still blows my mind. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, so that, that's something I'm very excited about. It's just this exponential growth. Last month, uh, in March 2023, 1.3 billion. Wow. Um, and so we're, we're, you know, it's it's crazy the kind of growth we're having. So uh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah because awesome. I've had people tell me that same thing that, you know, PowerShell it isn't what it used to be that, you know, you know, there's new stuff coming. And I've had that same thing. And I said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I would challenge those folks that, that say PowerShell isn't what it used to be. Stop using Windows PowerShell 5.1 and try out the pro our new product, the product that we've been working on, PowerShell 7, because that product is, uh, to me, is astounding. Um, our, 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 our engineering manager and lead engineer, Steve Lee, has continued to push this product forward to support a huge, not just IT, but a huge variety of customers that has made PowerShell the literal glue of all of Azure and all of IT. And I think this is totally um, amazing. And I, it, 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 I also wanted to kind of point out that keep an eye on the changes to PowerShell that might be sneaking up on you that you haven't noticed. And I, I see Danny down there, and I, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of one particular thing. It's like, dude, we, we communicate differently in PowerShell now, and we've got exciting amazing things coming down the road. Yeah, yeah, so uh, I guess I'll do a, a more full intro. I'm, I'm Danny Martins. I'm the PM for uh, SSH. Uh, that includes SSH with its partnership with PowerShell. That's SSH in Azure. That's really SSH really anywhere in Microsoft. So what, we're, what Jason was talking about is PowerShell remoting, right? And so historically, PowerShell remoting has all been over WinRM. In PowerShell 7, uh, PowerShell remoting over SSH is there. It's ready to go. I think it's just like one, two parameter changes, and you're good to say, I want to remote over SSH. And a lot of you might be thinking, oh, well, SSH is more for Unix systems. It's not really in Windows, and it, I, I'm used to using WinRM or RDP to connect to my machines. But we ship uh, we ship SSH in, uh, in box in Windows, I think, in uh, any Windows build that's newer than 2018. So... Odds are you probably have uh, you probably have uh, it there by default. If not, you can install it from our GitHub repo, uh, Winget Chocolatey. Uh, if you're an Azure customer, we have an Azure extension to install it. So we really are trying to make it as simple as possible to get to get SSH onto your Windows systems, uh, and that includes with probably in the next few years having SSH there and on by default, similar to how WinRM and RDP are already there and on by default. So if if a, if a user does an in-place upgrade, mm -hmm. um, w will that be included in that if they don't have it? Yep. So uh, odds are most people already have SSH installed in their box and they don't know it. So if you're on a Windows client, uh, you'll have SSH client 
there. And so if you want to remote to any machine, you don't have to do anything on your client machine. Right now, if you want to remote into a machine, so to install the server bits, it's a feature on demand or a FOD. Uh, and so that can be installed either through like the optional features uh, GUI, or since we're all PowerShell folks with the add-windows capability uh, commandlet as well. But again, it's you can also do it with uh, WinGit, Chocolatey, etc. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're really looking at how can we make SSH, that's the premier remoting technology for at least server workloads. And kind of the the analogy that I've been making over the past few months is WinRM is kind of like PowerShell 2, in my opinion, at this point, right? You have PowerShell 2, it's there, you can use it if you'd like. It's in servicing, it's not getting any updates unless there's some giant security issue that needs patching, right? That's the same thing with WinRM. No one's worked on WinRM at least in five years, except for servicing and patching updates. Um, I say our inbox SSH version is kind of analogous to Windows 5, uh, Windows 5.1, where it's there, it's inbox you're ready to use. And if you want the latest and greatest, you got to pull it from a different source, whether that be GitHub <coughs> or WinGit, etc. Right. So, so I got a quick question on that. So, let's say somebody has a uh, like a cloud management gateway. Is it can SSH come across that CMG to a, a remote machine? That would be a perfect. Yeah. Thing. So I mean, SSH is. So what I say with SSH is, you really only have to have line of sight to uh -huh. be able to connect to the machine. Line of sight can mean a multi multiple different things, right? That could be a public IP address. That could be a private IP address okay. if you're in a VNet. That could be uh, something that we what we call like a proxy, uh, and that's when you have, I'd say. Uh, a, a different form of communication between the two machines that could be like Azure Relay. Uh, and we have, I'd say, in, internal to Microsoft, we have solutions for kind of all those different ways of line of sight. Um, but yeah, anything that you, uh, that you have set up in your environment, odds are you can use SSH to connect as long as you have a way of seeing that machine. Fantastic. I think, I think Mick, what, what, what's really interesting is, is just so that people can kind of get a view of this, WinRM did ship with PowerShell 2. And WinRM is a wonderful remoting protocol for Windows, but PowerShell's cross-platform and times have changed. I mean, look at Microsoft itself. Can you believe that Microsoft loves Linux? That's the first earth-shattering thing in the world. <laughs> As you can see on my suitcase, yeah. I've still got it over there. <laughs> so, so, so times have changed, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, change is good because it allows, it brings us together, and we all learn from each other. So what's happening is SSH is becoming the most important loading protocol you could be on right now. Mm -hmm. And what Danny has been just so tightly focused on, especially in the future yeah. that he's going yep. down the road for, I think people are going to go, oh, this is not the old SSH that I was thinking of. I now have power that I just, wow. Yeah. So watch watch this space and, and follow along with Danny because it's pretty amazing. And, and to kind of build on what Jason's saying, I, the SSH is the industry standard. Windows has kind of always been the exception. If you want to connect to any other OS besides Windows, it's SSH. If you want to connect to your router, usually SSH, right? So Windows has long been the exception on kind of this remoting. And so it's time to kind of close that gap and start transitioning your workloads to be more better suited for the, I'd say, heterogeneous environment that we're in at this mm -hmm. point. But in the future, you might say, oh, well, I, I have my workload set up for WinRM or I'm using RDP to connect. Why do I want to go over to SSH? And really, the, 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 besides the being consistent with the overall ecosystem, we're really looking at how can we make it really the best place to do remoting. And so SSH already has some I'd say, native capabilities that already make it really great with SSH tunneling. You can do an RDP session over an SSH tunnel. So you don't even have to have RDP open if you want to use, SSH, uh, if you want to use it. You can just send it over an SSH tunnel. Uh, SSH supports concurrent sessions. So if you want to have multiple people connected to the same machine, you can do that with SSH, the full stop. Um, but there's also, I'd say, some really interesting capabilities of, of SSH providing like uh, JIT access, so just-in-time access with rotating uh, SSH keys, right? So you provide a key and then, oh, time's up, I'm gonna take that key away, right? or even like GIA, so just enough administration, you can bind specific commands to SSH keys. So if you've connected with an SSH key, you can say, oh, I want that user to only be able to execute these commands. And you can do that on your own. You don't need some other account that's all possible just with SSH. And so it's really 
even if you're just looking at it from a bare bone perspective, SSH has a lot of functionality, um, which is, I'd say, awesome, but it can also be really intimidating, right? And so how do we look at, I'd say, using SSH and managing SSH and how do we make that easier? And that's what a lot of the stuff that Jason was talking about and how can we improve that, I'd say, management and use case environment for you all so that it's not this, I'd say, uh, mountain that you have to climb. It's, I'd say, a nice elevator that you have to go and just push the button. I love that. I'm just, I'll, I'll say, I'm just blown away here. <laughs> what you've said. I mean, that is fantastic. Oh, just wait. I'm not kidding. You need to watch, keep real close because what he's going to be finishing up here soon is just going to be mind blowing. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'd say and then I'd say continuing like and if you are an Azure customer or if you're not an Azure customer, I want to I'd say I'd say <coughs> tune your ears in for the the kind of this next section. Um, if you're not familiar with a, a product called Azure Arc, um, Arc is kind of this umbrella term for really any. A resource that you that's not as a Microsoft owned that you want to I'd say reflect into the Azure Azure management plane, and so that could be an Arc enabled server, that could be an Arc enabled Kubernetes cluster. But essentially, if you have this Arc enabled server, you can take all of that server information and display it in kind of a single plane of glass in Azure. Uh, I want to call out that. Arc, uh, Arc enabled servers specifically, and I think I believe Arc enabled Kubernetes and kind of the Arc umbrella is free to onboard to. And I'm going to be very explicit that you pay for the services that you use on top of that. Uh, so free to onboard is the, the key point here. Uh, building on that, we're, we're, we have this uh, feature in preview right now. It'll be GA in the next probably month or so. Um, and it's called S uh, SSH access to Arc enabled servers. I like to call it SSH Arc or Shark for short, um, but that and this is I'll, I'll be uh, this is also a free feature. And so with that, you can onboard a machine to Arc, and this could be your laptop. This could be uh, a VM that you have hypervised on some local server. Uh, this could be the server itself. This could be a machine running in AWS or GCP. You onboard this machine for free, and then you can use SSH Arc to connect to that machine again for free. And the big thing that's really great about this is since you've onboarded this machine into Azure, you can you have this layer of trust that's already established. And so we can communicate with that machine without it having a public IP address or any uh, uh, inbound ports open. And so you can connect to any machine securely and it doesn't require an IP address and it doesn't require an open port. You just have to onboard it and onboarding and use of this uh, of this feature is free. Wow. Wow is only the beginning. So step back, take a look at that. If you ARC enable a machine, even the, your laptop or the machine sitting next to you, you can now manage it or connect to it through Azure. Take that one step further. You're talking to Danny Martins, who up until recently was the preeminent PM for CloudShell. And so... <laughs> He started creating all this SSH stuff and building all of this. Take this thought for a second. What if you were to take a machine in your office, arc enable it, you could probably go into Cloud Shell and actually connect. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you can go, once you've arc enabled the machine, the Cloud Shell execution environment is no different than any really standard execution environment, we just pre-authed pre-installed all those, those tools for you. So with an Azure CLI or an Azure PowerShell command, you can now have an interactive session with that remote machine. So now it's a, you can get Cloud Shell from anywhere, right? And so it can be your mobile phone, it can be your iPad, it can be your, your own personal laptop, it can be your buddy's laptop, right? And I'd say it can be the browser at the library if it really needs to be, right? You can go from any of those machines authenticate into Azure securely. Uh, Cloud Shell is a free service. Cloud Shell historically has required a storage account. Uh, it will soon no longer require a storage account, but I'll save that for Jason to talk about. Uh, and so now you'll have free access to this command line uh, that's already authenticated, secure, has all your tools. And now you can SSH into your remote machine in a secure way without ever having to open up any firewalls or any public IP addresses uh, to be able to connect to that machine. And so now you can say, 
oh, I'm, I need to connect to my, my local server, or even I use it personally to connect to my, my desktop I have uh, sitting, <laughs> sitting at home. So if I need to connect to my machine, I can just go on to my phone. I can open up CloudShell with like the Azure mobile app or just on a browser, and I can SSH right into my machine in probably less than a minute. And so it's a really powerful tool just for remote management all up. That is fantastic, especially in today's world where mobility is everything. Mm -hmm. And all of us, uh, my last job, even this job, you have issues trying to get uh, in touch with my systems, keep them updated, remote them if something goes wrong. And that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really is uh, amazing because, um, you know, the, the great work that Danny's done with CloudShell, and now he's, he's, he's blazing this new trail with, with SSH, but essentially, if you pull back from this, this means that you can manage your stuff on-prem, your stuff that's on-prem, or your stuff that's in the cloud from one shell interface. For free. For free. And, it's, and, and, and so now I'm going to do a little spiel here. I just want to point out, folks, that CloudShell... You know, if you're on Power, you want, I don't get me wrong when I say this, but you know, if you're on PowerShell locally and you want to talk to, I don't know, Azure, well, the first thing is you got to make sure you have all your modules updated for Azure PowerShell. You got to make sure you can connect. You got to make sure you can get into it. And then if you want to use AZCLA, you got to make sure you download that. And you have the right ones. And you have it all updated. And it's all set up and it's all configured. And after an hour, when you have all this done, <gasps> welcome aboard. Now, here's the problem. In two weeks, when all of that changes and you have to go through all that again, because all that stuff's going to get updated, because you know us Microsofters can't leave anything alone. We're going to make it better. <laughs> And you're going to need to update it all before you get back in. Now, does that sound like a pain in the butt? It should because it is. Here's what CloudShell does. Just open up CloudShell. It's always up to date. And as Danny pointed out, it's available anywhere, anytime, any device. And here's the best part. You can probably find old videos of me doing this with my iPad, but sitting there with my iPad, opening up a PowerShell session and connecting to any box in my environment that I need to manage. Now, today, thanks to the work that Danny's doing with SSH and with the CloudShell team, you will in the future be able to connect through CloudShell to any of your boxes on-prem or in Azure. Or if you think this through, think this through, all they need to be is an ARC-enabled machine. I don't know. I'm thinking I'm going to start up an AWS VM and ARC-enable it and see what happens. So basically, I should be able to manage anything. So... Wow. Cloud shell SSH. Now, I just want to say uh, this is this is this is a, this is a sad thing to say, but I'm also very grateful. Danny is no longer the PM for Cloud Shell. Many of you know Danny is the PM for Cloud Shell, and he's he's going off. Danny, Danny, tell me that you know you're doing this SSH. Oh, this yeah. SSH thing. This is, and I, I say, I say, talked to me a year ago. I own both SSH and Cloud Shell, and we've gotten to a point where. I'd say both of those projects where they just needed more time than I could give to, to both of them, right? And so uh, I'd say Jason and I kind of chatted and we said, Jason loves Cloud Shell. Uh, well, how about you pick up Cloud Shell? I'll still be there uh, to be there if you have any questions. And if you still want to talk Cloud Shell, come talk to me. I love it. Uh, but Jason's there taking up Cloud Shell, taking it in a great direction. And we've chat, been chatting for months and it's done a great job. And I'm focusing back on uh, on SSH. And so now we've got this really good, point, uh, a really good, I'd say, uh, combination where I'd say we can really solve this remote management story from a both, I'd say, a server point of view and connecting to the machine and from a client point of view and wanting to use CloudShell as a daily driver. And so we've really gotten to an interesting point where we can, I'd say, build a really rich scenario uh, and a really rich environment for, for customers to do the management. And I just would say there's also a lot more. Thanks to Danny of all of our work in CloudShell. I've been able to, you know, I'm, I'm still getting my feet wet and transitioning in, but, you know, come and talk to us about CloudShell. But I, I just want you all to know that also it's a new day for CloudShell. Because of this kind of activity and work, uh, the engineering manager, lead engineer for CloudShell, Janice uh, Deesa, has been working. You know, understand, folks, we're responsible for our own infrastructure in CloudShell. That means we build clusters for a living, and we build stuff, and we tear down stuff, and we update stuff, and we break stuff. We, we are in the trenches all day long, but Janice has managed to carve out some development time for all of the engineers, so we're able to start turning out some really cool features, such as, and, and, and this is one of the coolest things in the world, You're, we're, we're going to release uh, soon ephemeral sessions. You no longer need to have 
a storage account if you don't want one. This is really cool. Also, just a, a quick rundown. We have a brand new UX to support some of the new features that we're coming out with. I think you're really going to like the new UX that's coming out this year. And also for you customers that have been working with VNet scenarios, specifically with Cloud Shell, thank you. You have been providing us with the troubleshooting, the information when things got a little wacky and stuff like that. The team has been working diligently on working to improve these scenarios. We're kind of roll out soon. I mean, like in a couple of months with new documentation, new troubleshooting guides, new ways that you can explore and set up your VNet in the most secure way so that you can enjoy Cloud Shell the way that you want to use it. And remember what I said, Cloud Shell, well, first of all, can, let's break a little thing here. I know this is, a, you know, we're all talking PowerShell, but CloudShell gives you both sides. And a lot of people go, well, how dare you, Jason? You're a PowerShell person. How can, how can you have CloudShell go both sides? And it's like, hey, man, I use Bash and Python all throughout my career. And you know what? I today and for a long time, I prefer PowerShell, but maybe you don't. Maybe you prefer Bash and Python. We're going to give you both experiences. You're going to get AZ PowerShell on, on the PowerShell side to manage Azure. You're going to AZ CLI on both PowerShell and Bash. And we're keeping to build those tool sets. We also have a future long distance roadmap that I'm excited to talk to folks about. So come and meet with us. But, you know, I'm thinking, you take a look at CloudShell, it owns one third of, of Azure Portal's front page. And I think we have some ideas we want to try. So it's a great place to be. You know, what about keeping this, uh, you know, things like you told us, maybe think about changing the timeout values, maybe making this a little bit better to be used as a daily driver so that you don't need to have a local PowerShell version that you're using for management or something like that. Maybe use the local one for writing. Anyways, the, the Cloud Shell story is only growing because the connectivity and the infrastructure story is growing and your needs are growing. So we're going to work real hard on the cloud shell stuff so we can be there for you. And that one's beautifully said, Jason. And I have nothing to add, except if you want to get in contact with us, again, harping on what we said before, GitHub is the best place to do that. We have a GitHub repo. I believe it's github.com slash Azure slash cloud shell. That's it. And uh, file an issue, start a discussion. We're there. We check it all the time. Uh, Create issues. And your community call every month. You all always have a great update on what you all are doing. So that's another great resource just to know where you all are in the processes. Yeah, and I'd say, I'd say officially it's the, the PowerShell community call. But if you ask a CloudShell question, if you ask an SSH question, we're there. We're on the call. We're happy to answer those questions. And it's still a great place to surface those questions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, certainly is. Well, this is all exciting. I knew we were going to have a great session here. So, wow, is all I can say. Awesome. I love what I'm hearing there. And, and then the thing is, this is just scratching the surface of everything that everybody's doing. With the, the amount of work that's getting cranked through by engineering, through the design and the aspect, the PMs are running around doing their very best to enable the engineering so that we can end up keeping that sacred vow of enabling and empowering you all to be able to solve problems going forward with PowerShell. I mean, it's a very, I, I, I'm not speaking for the other PMs, but I think I would be okay if I were in saying, we take this very seriously. We respect the ecosystem and the long tail of the ecosystem that's been out there. We take the job really seriously. And we're really proud of the work that we get an opportunity to do. And we know for a fact that our engineers are just as into it and proud of it. So we want to hear from you because we want to make it better because we actually care and we want to use it too. Absolutely. I don't know how the excitement will come across via podcast, but um, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're all jumping out of our chair. We are just Whenever the four of us get together, I always get questions like, is this what you guys are really like? Or like, especially like, is this what Jason is really like? And the answer is, the answer is yes. yes. <laughs> I know, I've, I've looked over at Jason yeah, several times yeah, and he's about can, ready to pop. You can ask 
together, like the power team, and this is what. Like we are excited about yeah. this stuff. Like this is for real. Yeah. That's one of the things that always makes it fun coming to this conference every year. That's why I tell people you need to come to this conference. It is so lively. And I, I just want to point out as well. And one of the things that make us really excited is this year because you know we've gotten a little bit past the pandemic. We were really lucky in that we've had several of the engineers from the PowerShell team that have been able to come over and talk with folks. And we always get excited when, you know, our engineers get a chance to spend time with people. Because we know everybody likes that. The engineers like it. You know, the attendees like it. So we've had this wonderful time this week. Um, and so it, it's it's just a great time to be in PowerShell. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, Stephen had mentioned, you know, PowerShell, is it waning? Is it waning? Um, no. no <laughs> and it's not just our enthusiasm, it's everybody's enthusiasm. This product's got, you know, when Jeffrey sat down to architect this, he architected it for at least 30 years, and we're only 16 into it. I got a strong feeling that we got another good 30 or more on it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's catching the eyes of other folks, too, in terms of other partners in Microsoft. I mean, Winget just launched their PowerShell module, uh, what, two days ago? Yeah. Um, so it, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're growing and we're expanding and oh. we're, we're trying to help make the world a easier, yep. less messy place. Look at look at Amazon. Um, they broke the record, what was it, twice the uh, most number of commandlets that they wrote for uh, PowerShell in their modules. Yeah. So, yeah, other companies are definitely... Yeah, using this big time. I have kind of a silly story. Um, Ooh, silly stories. Well, this is kind of a silly story. This is a little bit of an insider story. Um, so um, you heard it here first. But this was this is a few years back. Um, so we, we finally it's finally been long enough that I feel a little bit comfortable telling this story. Uh-oh. But um, uh, so the partial gallery, right? It's been around for a long time. I think 2016, I want to say, was when it, it first went live and. Um, I can say that when it was it first went live, the engineers um, who created it had no idea the scale that it would be used at. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. And I know this because I've seen the architecture, the behind the scenes of how the gallery. I mean, essentially, we just thought it was going to be a web server that just was going to poop out some files occasionally. We didn't realize you're all going to turn it into a CI/CD <laughs> pipeline. <laughs> And so fast forward a few years later, um, this was in uh, 2019, we, we had um, an outage and we were diagnosing the outage. It was a very stressful time, of course, like when you have, when the gallery goes down, it's not fun for anyone. We take that very, very seriously. And so this is not a joke, very serious. Um, and the outage was because someone had hard coded the total number of downloads in the gallery to be one billion, and we had crossed the billion dollar, the billion download mark. Now, <laughs> there are two aspects of this, and everybody needs to get clued in. Now, the the, the high rise aspect is is hey, we crossed the billion yes. download. The other thing is is I want to know the engineer that decided that was all we were allowed to do. You know, hard coded that number, and so we couldn't. Be, but but come on, you know, even be, but I think that proves City's point. Back in the day when we put the gallery up. It was like, oh, let's put in a totally never happened number. <laughs> and we crossed it. And we crossed it. And so just to the point of like in 2016, we never like that seems so outlandish, right? Yeah. That like we would hit a billion downloads on the gallery. Today we have over 300 million monthly, and we've well <laughs> crossed Woo! a billion. Wow. And so just the scale of the community aspect of PowerShell, let, let alone the platform aspect that the PowerShell team owns, but the way that the community has continued to embrace PowerShell, the way the community continues to grow yep. PowerShell, and that aspect of PowerShell is just is growing so fast and is so surpassed the expectations that even 10 years ago, even eight years ago, seven years ago, five years ago, we were anticipating, I think just speaks volumes to the way in which like PowerShell is so far from on the decline and is really being embraced by the greater uh, technical community. Yeah, a uh, uh, good example at PowerShell on the River, we interviewed one of the Amazon um, representatives there, and he was like, 
Yeah, he said we, we broke it twice. The record. He said uh, the, mm -hmm. uh, the most number of commandlets in a module, mm -hmm. and he's uh, and he gave the numbers, and it was up in the thousands. Oh yeah, the, I mean, the, well, the I know the AZ suite of modules has over four thousand commandlets alone. I yeah, like, you know, AWS, I'm sure, has probably that, if not more. Not more. Yeah. So. It's amazing, isn't it? Yep. So that just shows how much other companies alone, third parties, are embracing PowerShell. Um, I just did a uh, interview yesterday with the platinum sponsor of our conference here, um, Pure uh, Pure Storage, and they are totally got a whole new thing. They announced yesterday more modules coming out for it, and so yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. It really it, it, it really is, and, and you bring up a good point. Um, first of all. Thanks to all the sponsors of the conference that mm -hmm. we're doing this podcast from. Um, the uh, 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 this is with, you know the 2023 uh, PowerShell Summit, right? And this is kind of amazing because for me, this is the tenth year that this is run. Um, we started this. Uh, Don and Jeff Hicks and I. We matter of fact, Don and I were were here on campus meeting with Aaron Chapel and and Kenneth Hansen just over ten years ago, asking them, "Hey, if we put this on." My, would you be able, would you send a couple of folks over to speak? And they're like, oh, of course we will. <laughs> and from that day forward, it was it was Microsoft's and the PowerShell team's commitment mm -hmm. that has made this all successful. And so I'd also like to thank the, uh, uh, the organizers of the show who have done really a fantastic job, uh, especially the, the folks that I, 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 I work with the most. Uh, around this, James Petty, who's the, the CEO of this, just an amazing, amazing job. Thank you, James, so much. Definitely. And uh, uh, Missy Janusko, and and, and I, I, I know Kevin Marquette's in there too, but I just got to say um, to my friend John Janelle, you did good, man. This is this is awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the volunteering effort that these folks take from their real jobs to make this go, and as a nonprofit and all that. So, folks, support by showing up and come out and to the future conferences and stuff. We really look forward to seeing you in the future and getting this going for another 10 years. Absolutely. Well, I have to say, this has been an exciting uh, time here with you all. I really appreciate, I know all my listeners do too, appreciate you all coming. And I knew it was going to be exciting again when you all here, just like it was last year. <laughs> so, yes, um, going to be back next year. Yeah, we I know we're going to have a lot more excitement. Yep. So, yeah. We'll be back next year. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, awesome. Well, guys, appreciate it. Until Thank next you. year. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, Mac. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the PowerShell News Podcast. You know where to find us. I'm Hooch on Twitter. H-O-O-R-G-E. And I'm Mick Pletcher on Twitter, and it's Mick underscore Pletcher. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.